Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode is the amazing Dr. Brooke Heels, along with one of our Mercy staff members, Mary Ellen Alexander. Mary Ellen serves as the nutrition manager in our Nashville home and is actually a graduate of our residential program. So if you are listening to this show on or around the date that it's posting, we are actually right in the middle of National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And since this is an issue that we see and deal with quite a bit in our Mercy program, we wanted to dedicate a show to this topic. So today, we are going to talk about disordered eating, which is actually a little different from what you would consider a diagnosable eating disorder. And as rampant as eating disorders are in our world today, I would venture to say that disordered eating is likely way, way, way more rampant. So all of you listening, if disordered eating doesn't affect you personally, I can guarantee you that it affects someone that you know. So we hope that this show today is helpful, informative, and honestly, we hope it's something that you can share with other people who maybe you know who are struggling in this area. So I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Let's jump into the show. Well, hey, Brooke and Mary Ellen. So good to have you guys today. Mary Ellen, it's so fun to have you. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, Brooke, it's always great to have you as well. But, I, I just assumed. I felt I felt good about it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have Mary Ellen as well. She's one of my favorite people, so I'm very excited that she's here. Yay, for sure. Um, this topic today, y'all, as we've been preparing for it, I'm like, oh, man. This yeah, it's zero fun. It's gonna be really, <laughs> a really interesting conversation today. Um, but there's so many things that you know um, we're gonna be jumping into. But before we do that, Mary Ellen, since you are new to Mercy Talk, new to our listeners, I would love um, if you just would you know maybe share a little bit about your own personal story, you know, and how it relates to the topic we're going to be covering today. But um, also just share a little bit about what you do at Mercy, um, because for both reasons, uh, you are kind of the perfect guest for us to have today. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. (laughs) So I came to Mercy back in 2003 with a very severe eating disorder. And at the time, my doctor told me I was heading toward death if nothing really did change. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I would always struggle with anorexia, even if I made it through recovery. Um, but thankfully, my parents did not like that answer and had faith to believe God for something different. And it really was just a few weeks later that my aunt, who lives here in Nashville, told my parents about mercy. They presented me with the idea. And at first I was like, absolutely not. Um, because a little side note. At this time, I was 13 years old, and even being 13, I was always a homesick girl. Mm -hmm. I could not even spend one night away from home. And so I was like, how can I go to a different state and stay six to nine months? Um, So I was like, hard no. (laughs) But then I went to bed that night, and literally a miracle happened in my heart. I tossed and turned all night. And just my desire for true health and healing became so much greater than my fear of leaving my family. And I was even shocked by it, but um, told my parents, you know, that I did, I did think mercy was where I was supposed to go. And it was shortly after that, that I found myself 
walking through the doors of Mercy Multiplied. And I'm not going to lie, it was so dang hard. And there were so many times that I wanted to quit. Um, but thankfully, by God's grace and literal mercy, I made it and I graduated. Um, and through my time at Mercy was when God became very real to me. So before I had a relationship with the Lord, um, but it was really when I was at Mercy and I was away from my parents and family that God became father to me. Mm. And I think he knew that I would need to know that aspect of him later on in my life and just throughout my life. Um, and then I would say one of the greatest tools I took away from Mercy was renewing my mind by audibly saying scriptures over myself. And it really was incredible to see as I declared this truth over myself that the illusions and the confusions and just the mountains of fears just began to naturally fall off of me. Mm. I was seeing differently, I was thinking differently, and I was really getting a glimpse of the real Mary Ellen. I had lost her for so long and it really felt incredible getting to truly experience my personality, my humor, and just my laugh to really live. You know, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the Lord comes to give us life and to give us life abundantly. Mm -hmm. And I would say, man, mercy was such a huge catalyst for me in finding and fighting for my life. Um, and so after mercy, I had always had a desire to come back and serve. Um, and so when I was in college, I actually came and I interned with the nutrition manager one summer. I loved it so much that um, I knew that's what I wanted to do after I graduated. And so... Um, in 2016, I was hired and I'm still now serving as the nutrition manager here in the Nashville home. Yeah. So that's a little snapshot of my story <laughs> and how I got connected. That's right. your entire life. <laughs> that's it. No, that's amazing. There I am. Yep. So good. And, and you're so good at what you do too. So. Yeah. Very, very beloved around here for sure. Um, and I just love that even the way that you've now started this specific episode, and I know the way that we'll end this, it just is, you know, we're going to get into some like technical stuff. And, you know, th I, I think the fact that when you share your story about what you experienced at Mercy, like I actually didn't ever hear you say, here's how they helped me like figure out how to deal with my issue, how to cope with my issue, you know. <clears throat> and I may sound like a broken record for anybody who listens to Mercy Talk frequently, but that is just not... Um, at the end of the day, what we're about here, um, that there was something that happened in the deepest part of your relationship with the Lord that brought about healing in all of these different areas. And so I think it's great that we start this show, you know, kind of from that place. And I know we'll end this show in that place as well um, of saying we're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about, you know, some technical things and some practical things, um, but really remembering that whole that whole while that it's truly that deep revelation and transformation that only Jesus can bring that you find healing in anything big or small in your life, you know? So, um, I just think it's great that that was something you highlighted in your story. Um, so let's jump into this topic. Y'all, I'm going to say that in researching this, I was like, I did not know a lot of these things. 
before the show. So I'm really kind of excited um, for you guys to speak from your areas of just experience and expertise, um, because the little bit that I have already learned in prepping for today, I was like, well, man, I did, how did, I did not know a lot of things. I did not know. Okay, I'm just going to tell myself here that disordered eating, I've heard people use that term. And I was like, oh, yeah, eating disorders. Nope. Not the same thing. Um, so I would love first to just kind of lay that out there for people who are like, oh, I didn't know these were different things. Um, kind of what is the different, like what is disordered eating? Um, and Mary Ellen, I'll just start with you. And then Brooke, you can always add all the things that you'd like to add <laughs> always. Um, what is disordered eating? How is it different from, you know, a diagnosable eating disorder? And maybe just kind of what are some of the common, you know, signs and symptoms, things to recognize? Yeah. So disordered eating is when there's a strong emotional attachment to a certain way of eating or not eating. Mm -hmm. um, and it can take many shapes and forms. Um, some can include, you know, eating only certain food groups, not eating certain food groups, um, overeating, undereating, dieting, diet pills, unconsciously emotionally eating. Um, so it can look a lot of different ways and I've seen a lot of different ways. Um, and then I would say that it's different from an eating disorder as where an eating disorder is diagnosed by a medical professional, um, disordered eating is undiagnosed. Mm. And then some common signs of disordered eating, um, could include high anxiety around specific foods, skipping meals frequent dieting, very rigid rituals around food and exercise. That seems to be a really big one. Um, feelings of guilt and shame associated with food, always thinking about food, just the obsession with weight and body image, a feeling of loss of control around food, and then using exercise, food restrictions, fasting or purging as a way to get rid of calories. Mm -hmm. That's good. I think yeah, I would, those are well, some of the signs. Would you also, I mean, I think I would add this, you know, and tell me if you agree, but I would also add like, um, and we'll, I think we'll talk about this in a minute, but using food to control emotions one way or the other, whether that is, I feel I can control life by not eating certain things, or I can control how I feel emotionally by eating, you know, by making myself comforting, if you will. Like there's kind of, at the, at the end of the day, it's not just a fuel, it's an emotional way to it's a way to manipulate emotions absolutely i don't know yeah okay so i mean that's kind of how yeah. that's the dumbed down version that i <laughs> like to go with um on no, that we so need that okay scene. for me i'm like oh, that's not dumbed down at all for you i guess it is. <laughs> but um no that's that's very <laughs> that's um very helpful and also a little bit like uh-oh i feel like a lot of people listening may be like well shoot um are we all, do we all have disordered eating habits? And so I guess, you know, one of my questions would be, um, you know, a lot of the things that you even just now listed, Mary Ellen, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, on occasion, I've done a few of those things. Is sure, this something where it's sure. like, okay, if I'm dieting right now, if I'm on a diet, am I like now, do I have disordered eating habits? Like, is it where, where at this point would you say, okay, where's the line? Yeah. 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 Like where's that tipping point? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I would not say you have disordered eating. I would say someone would have disordered eating though, if 
that if there was just a very strong emotional pull towards if you couldn't, if you couldn't not do that diet, Mm -hmm. if you had a a strong flip, if I said, Hey, Melanie, say on your diet, you're not eating bread. I was like, Melanie, you've got to eat this piece of bread. And if there was a huge, Mm -hmm. like, um, I'm about to burst into tears, I'd be like, all right, there's something Mm -hmm. there. But if you're like, all right, sure, I'm not supposed to on my diet, but here you go, Marilyn, I'll eat my piece (laughs) of bread. So to me, it's when it hits on a a stronger emotion internally. You say that as if you've experienced that with lots of people. Oh, every, day. every day, every day. Piece of bread. Over a piece of bread. Yeah, yeah. And and I think from from my standpoint, you know, in addiction treatment, right? There's like a whole other thing. It's, and I think you can, in some ways, look at it like a, a spectrum of an unhealthy relationship yeah. with food, right? To disordered eating, to a diagnosable eating disorder. Like that's that's kind of what I would say the spectrum is. Um, and again, Mary Ellen, throw anything in there. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of this thing of like, this is a piece of, of bread. Like there should be no emotions connected to it at all. And if there is, then maybe you don't have like the healthiest relationship with food, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, I don't know that everybody has uh, <laughs> uh, unhealthy relationships with food, but it, I think it's one of the more prevalent and just because too you have to eat and anything that we kind of have to do on a daily basis um i think tends to feed into toxicity if we're not healthy if we're not in a good place like we'll we'll mm-hmm. make ways to mm-hmm. control life you know whatever that looks like and so i think food is just an easy one because you have to it's there all the time and you have to eat it to live Indeed. at some point so yeah um so anyway that yeah i think sense. that would be Yeah. And Brooke, when you were talking, it just made me think it's like when the food has control over you, Mm -hmm. that's where the issue is. We should always have control over it. Mm -hmm. And so it's that little, um, and it's finite. It's a really, it can, it can be really small, but it can easily change from the food having control over you until you having control control over the food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, and everything that you've listed everything that you mentioned as I'm thinking through it I'm like oh yeah that there's definitely like an emotional piece to all of those things um so I think that that's really helpful as a as something to just kind of be aware of and know like is there something like happening inside of me emotionally when it comes to this diet or um, my like preoccupation or the shame that goes around with like eating this thing or doing this thing and so I think just an awareness of that is really helpful for people. Um, and you know, you talked some, like I was asking about kind of like, when does just kind of like, you know, normal, you know, healthy things turn into like disordered eating, but then, I mean, what would also be, can, can just a normal disordered eating pattern in somebody's life turn into a full blown eating disorder that, like you said, would be diagnosable. Can those, can one lead to that as well? And is there a tipping point there? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think in two from, right. You look at like a clinical standpoint and again, I always promise to not read the DSM on here, you know, <laughs> but you can go look at <laughs> what that criteria is. So I won't diagnose everybody uh, through a podcast, but I think, you know, 
what you're looking for. And I think just from a mercy standpoint, when someone even is applying to the program, right. And we have, there's, there's medical instability. Okay. So an eating disorder can cause medical instability. We're talking about your lab work is not good, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, and your BMI is not the only thing that we measure, but it's an indicator, right? Like it's so low that your body is very angry <laughs> with you. Um, and mm-hmm. so it, when it starts getting into that medical instability, um, you know, it's definitely able to be diagnosed at that point. And, um, and, and sometimes people don't like their lab work is good, but they can't get through a day, right? Without purging. So if you can't get through the day without purging everything you have, like that's not, that's not a free life. You know what I mean? Like if that's something um, that you do and is a part of your life. And so I think it's, you know, of course there's, there's diagnostic criteria that a doctor can go and go, yep, you got all this check a box, but with anything, right. With anything unhealthy, if we begin to, to make it serve us to manipulate our emotions, to manipulate the power and control that we have in our life, it will always take over unless it is obviously mm-hmm. with the Lord and freedom, you know, in good places sure. and in a place of health and surrender. Right. But anything unhealthy, the more and more that we align with that idea that it will get us something we need or make us feel better, you know, soothe mm-hmm. us in some way. Um, or make us feel powerful in some way. So that can be anything from anger, right, to food. It, mm. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. It's not like I'm just a little bit angry sometimes, you know, but if you use anger to control, it will continue to grow. You'll need that thing more, mm-hmm. you know, and so I kind of look at that the same way um, with food. So I don't know, Mary Ellen, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, 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 you spot on. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just think that that's so important for anybody, you know, um, who's listening to this conversation to, you know, it's very easy for us to dismiss something that isn't, doesn't feel like it's just absolute, you know, life controlling yet. (laughs) Like, oh, I just kind of have this thing. And yeah, I've got a little bit of an obsession over this or that, whether it's like physical activity, eating, that kind of thing. Um, to just not take that lightly and to just kind of sweep it under the rug and think it's just going to kind of either go away or not really be a big deal. Um, because like you said, Brooke, it can so easily start to take over and become, and something that was unhealthy, uh, becomes like life controlling or life threatening for that matter, you know? So I think it's important not to just kind of take that, take that lightly. Um, yeah. It's like, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard, you know, it's like, it, it's those little things that can sometimes, that a lot of times will turn into a big thing if we don't, um, you know, take control sure. over it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I know that we've both, <clears throat> that we've already kind of talked about this. This has already been mentioned, but I feel like we should just hit on it for a minute. Because I don't know how many people would say that they are completely exempt from this specific thing. Um, You know, as I was just kind of doing some research on disordered eating before we did this show, I saw, and you guys have already mentioned it, but emotional eating listed as an example of disordered eating. And I was like, well, shoot. So it's my favorite one. This is when you, yeah, 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 yeah. Because no one does that, right? Uh, Uh, Especially moms of very good at it. (laughs) 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 
so, um, you know, if anybody, if there's someone out there who's going, what's that? I've never heard of emotional eating before. I will help you. Uh, in <clears throat> what that is, is basically using food as a coping mechanism to either fill a void or to just avoid overall painful feelings, sadness, anxiety, rejection, anger, or, you know, what have you. Um, and let's be honest, most of us have experienced this to some level in uh, our lives at some point in our lives. And you better believe that I have never thought that going to get that, you know, Chick-fil-A milkshake because I'm just having a hard day, you know, was there was anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, if you even just kind of think physically what's happening. And as I was, again, researching this, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense that foods, like especially sweet foods or savory foods or fried foods, thank you, Jesus, for fried foods, um, they can actually, you know, trigger those chemical reward centers in our brain. They make us feel good. They might comfort us. They might distract us, you know, for a short period of time, um, for as long as that large milkshake will last. But, you know, this can be a really slippery slope um, and something to just be aware of because I think, you know, that idea of eating away our emotions can really turn into a very regular pattern of using food to make us feel better. I mean, that can easily, it's again, um, it's the little stuff. It's the little foxes, Mary Ellen, like that we just have to be aware of. I also thought it was interesting as I was reading that emotional eating can also be used as a reward when we feel happy. I am very guilty of that. I'm like, this was an awesome day. Do you know what I need? I need some chicken nuggets. I don't know. Like, but this can be, and, and I even think about it, having young kids, like this can be really ingrained within us in childhood. And it's something that as I've been researching like food and with my kids and like teaching them a healthy relationship with food, I am hearing this over and over and over that we do not need to be using food as a reward for things with our kids. Like for, you know, if they get a good grade or they have good behavior or they use the potty, like to not use candy as a reward for that, because it kind of starts to teach this. Um, you know, most of us experience that and maybe weren't like forever harmed by it, but it's something that um, can really teach a child an unhealthy relationship with food if they if they associate food with reward or pleasure. Um, and so, man, I don't know. That was like that was a little convicting for me to hear, too. Um, but, you know, I'm like, it's it's somebody's birthday. Like if it's my son's birthday, I want to go get a donut to you know celebrate his birthday. You know, so it's kind of like where I would love to know y'all's responses. Mary Ellen, we can start with you. Just kind of what your response is to that. Do we need to just completely stop using food as a comfort or reward just altogether? Like, does that just need to like, we need to cut that out of our lives to prevent us from sliding down that slope? Or I just would love y'all's thoughts on that overall. Great. Um, well, this may surprise you, but I say the less rules around food, the better. In mm -hmm. my perspective, it's not about completely stopping using food as a comfort or reward, but what's most important is your awareness around why you are eating what you're eating. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have this example written down. Let's say someone is going through a really hard breakup and they just want ice cream. Okay, cool. Let's get ice cream, but let's not maybe get the whole carton of ice cream and eat the whole thing. Let's get a bowl out and let's put some in a bowl and let's eat the ice cream. Mm -hmm. 
And then you're going to see, all right, that didn't do anything Mm. for me or anything for the pain. And then you can hopefully choose to pursue another tool or something that's going to help you to move through Mm -hmm. that pain. Um, And so I think a lot of it, no, I know a lot of it comes down to your awareness and intention behind it. Um, And really my thoughts are the same for pleasure. You know, enjoying food is a way that our culture uh, it's that how we celebrate mm-hmm. and I mean, it's even something the Lord has made for us to enjoy. Um, but again, it all comes back to awareness. And so Melanie, like your example of, okay, you've had a good day. Let me go get chicken nuggets. Okay, cool. Well, let's first and stop. Hey, do I even want chicken nuggets or am I just going to that out of just like kind of habit mm-hmm. um, or would or do would chicken nuggets even feel good in my body right now? Mm-hmm. So if you can like ask yourself those questions before acting on the behavior, that's really going to serve mm-hmm. you. So um, I don't think it's about setting these rigid rules about, well, we can't do this. We can't do that. It really just comes down. Okay. How can I, uh, what's my intention behind this? Um, so I can, allow my children to have a healthy relationship with food. And so I myself can represent to them too having a healthy relationship with food. And so, um, yeah, for me, it just comes back to awareness and intention. That's really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, because I'm just going to go ahead and tell you if the only thing standing between my kid using the bathroom on a toilet is an M&M, they're getting an M&M. So that's how, (laughs) that's how that's going to work. But no, but I think, I mean, but you're right. It's, 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 it is intentionality, right? Like, do we know, I mean, you mentioned awareness too, but I mean, I'll just pick on that. Like, you know, also it's, it's just the intentionality of it. Do we know why we're doing what we're doing? And I think that leads to another place of, and this is something, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know, like this is probably one of like, maybe my only issue in life, there's 7,000 issues. This is the only one I will be able to claim on air. Uh, And so, you know, and, and, and my own journey through that is just, you know, and I think that, um, and we've talked about this verse a million times, right? But you can't separate the body, soul, and spirit. They have to all be be fed and healthy and given to. And, you know, the Lord talks yes. about that leads to righteousness, right? Because that it's acknowledging the whole person that the Lord made you. And I think in, in being not afraid of that, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, like I identified, oh, like, food and eating was the only area of my life that my parents didn't have a say in. They didn't care, didn't Mm -hmm. care how I looked and didn't care what I ate. And so that was, so everything else was like, you better be great. You better do, you know, and when you're playing, when you're a kid and playing five sports, it's not really an issue until you are not playing five sports anymore. Right. Because you were not good enough to get into the NBA like you thought you were, but that's fine. Um, And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just saying like, so, so, you know, then you're, then you're in college and you're, you know, like all these things happen. And so mm-hmm. what I've just really learned mm-hmm. is the intentionality of it. Like, why am I choosing this and not from a place of anxiety or control or any of that, but just from that place of freedom. And so really takes it back for me, like my, you know, the core issue of just being present in the day, right? Like who am I with? Mm-hmm. Why am I choosing this? If, you know, if everybody's going 
mm-hmm. to lunch and I brought my food and I have to pause and go, you know what, but I really want to go connect with everybody. So what's that balance, right? And just being able to make those decisions mm-hmm. instead of like, well, everybody's going to Chile. So I guess I'm getting those Southwestern egg rolls, you know, or whatever it is, like the whole thing. Um, and so <laughs> that, but, it, but that's like, the, I do I love those egg rolls. I never go to Chili's unless I'm in Nashville. So that's how I balance that. Um, and so, you know, anyway, all that to tie back, right. There's just layers to it. I feel like it's, it's being present just with where you're at, what's happening. It's the intentionality of which we use food or anything else to comfort. And then like you said, Mary Ellen, that all that ties into just awareness. Like you are, are you aware of not only why, but how, what does your body even want? And I think that just connects you to your body too. We can get so disconnected from what our body wants and, um, and needs. And, and so just allowing ourselves to just pay attention to that and be, and, and be like, it's fine it's fine that you mm-hmm. ate carrots today. It's all right. You're going to be okay. You know? And so <laughs> like, you know, um, go in, in whatever direction. So anyway, I just, I think that for me, at least personally and what I've seen, um, there is a piece of, of that, just the presence, the intentionality and the awareness. And a lot of times we just don't pause to do that. You know, um, and so building that into our lives with everything, because and I'll finish on this, like, you know, biologically, food is pleasurable, like it affects, Mm -hmm. you know, everything Mm -hmm. in your body, your brain, Mm -hmm. like all of that. So for us to be like, Mm -hmm. don't find food pleasurable, like that's that's not right. Like that's against what it is, you know, so Mm -hmm. knowing that that choice, though, doesn't have to have an emotional tie to it, you know. Um, you know, but at the same time, if you make your grandma's cookies and that means a lot to you, that's okay. We're just not doing it all day, right? You know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, right. unless you make cookies all day, and then I do want to be friends with you, and we can hang out. So <laughs> I'll eat them. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I just think like there's a re. I mean, we literally call a certain category of food soul food. <laughs> Like, yeah, we do soul food in my life right now. It's usually fried Mm -hmm. food. It's just anything. Yeah, it is. Categorizes soul Mm -hmm. food. But I mean, I just I I think, yeah, that's that's like you said, it's part of our culture. Like that is part. And and I do believe with all my heart, like the Lord created flavors and he created our taste buds to experience joy and delight in food. And so I think that's so, so good that you guys are really making it clear that we are not saying that the enjoyment of food or celebrating with food is is wrong. But knowing uh, what's going on under the surface, like if I, we were snowed in yesterday and I was losing my ever loving mind with my toddler and my baby locked in the house, right? And I just was, I remember saying to my husband, like my heart needs Thai food right now. And, and we are, and it's a joking statement, right? Like I'm kid, like my heart is okay, but like to know that Thai food is not going to be the answer to all of my problems right now. It's just going to be a moment to enjoy some food. And that is not, like, there is nothing shameful in that, but an awareness. I think you guys are saying being aware of what is going on, being aware of what's going on way under the surface, the intention behind it, Brooke, I think those are all so, so good. So important. Um, so before I move to this last thing, I feel like both of you are wanting to add something and I don't know why I feel that way. Can only see your faces on a screen. Oh, can I add one thing to that? Please. Yes. 
Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I think, I think too, and Mary Ellen, please add to this. What the thing too is assessing what comforts you. Like if the only thing that comforts us is, you know, a food or a TV show for some people, you know, alcohol or (laughs) drugs or whatever, Mm -hmm. like extreme Mm -hmm. thing. Like, I think that's an important thing, like that balance of if, if the Lord is not our comforter, we're going to find ways to comfort our hearts and our soul. And it's okay that it's Thai food, but I also know that it's Jesus Christ, you know, for you. And so, (laughs) you know, um, so I just, I want to add that piece. And if Mary Ellen, Mm -hmm, if you, mm -hmm. I mean, you live that. So you you said it all. Perfect. Yeah. You said it. Exactly. I mean, I'll just throw this in and this might sound a little, I don't know. I, I remember hearing uh, one of my anyone who's listened to me say anything ever knows that Matt Chandler is uh, a favorite teacher pastor of mine and um, I I remember hearing him say this a long long time ago Um, and he was talking about you know and I won't get into like theology stuff but like he's talking about the common grace that all people whether or not they you know trust and follow Jesus get to experience in life and food is a great example of that right like whether or not you know Jesus that milkshake at Chick-fil-A tastes good to you, right? Or I mean, you know, in general. Um, and so it's like everyone gets to experience that. But what's different about those who love and follow Jesus is that the our enjoyment of, and he talks about a lot of things, but food is an example that he uses. And I think he talks about specifically fajitas because he lives in Texas. So, uh, you know, he just talks about when I, you know, bite into a chicken fajita, Like it doesn't have to end. My delight in that does not have to end in that moment, but it can actually roll up into glorifying God and, and, and and really being aware of like, man, Lord, you created flavors. You created this as a gift to me. And so like that there can literally be a glorifying of the Lord. And that's why it's like almost a a richer experience for those who know and love the Lord, because it's not just like, Oh, this food tastes good, but like, Oh my goodness, how good is God that he would create this thing that we could enjoy in this moment. And then it kind of rolls up into like worship of the Lord. I'm like, I can worship some Lord. I mean, worship some Lord, worship the Lord with some chicken fajitas. Right. So, you know, um, I think that that is, I just think that understanding the depth underneath all of this is just so good. So important, which actually leads me kind of to the, the last piece of this that I'd like to hit on is, you know, I mean, obviously, Disordered eating can have, you know, plenty of negative effects on our physical health, which I won't even get into that because no one wants to talk about that right now. Right. But like there are physical ramifications of disordered eating. Um, But also, as we always, always, always talk about on uh, Mercy Talk at Mercy in general, is that there are roots under the things that we struggle with. And we've already hit on this a little bit today. But, um, you know, a person struggling with disordered eating is very likely experiencing some sort of physical, emotional, spiritual, mental stress or struggle. And so I'm interested to know in y'all's professional experience, are there some common things or there's some common roots, if you will, um, or, or lies um, that are kind of under disordered eating struggles? Mary Ellen, I'm passing to you. Yeah, for sure. There are definitely some big roots. And just going off, like for me and my personal journey um, with my eating disorder, a lot of it came down to control for me. It was a way that, um, you know, as a 13 year old, that's just kind of those early teenage years, just I faced a lot of confusion of like, 
what I'm going through. And so the only thing that I really could tangibly control was, was my food and what went into my body. And so, um, and given there were a lot of other things that contributed to it, but a big one for me was control. And I see that a lot here with residents, um, especially ones with, with anorexia of like not allowing their self to have or enjoy food. A lot of it comes down to um, the control aspect. Um, and Brooke, you can probably talk a lot more into more of the roots and the deeper things, but um, I, control is just a huge one I see and mm. I can testify to that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever worked with anyone that control wasn't it. Right. And then it's and whether that's controlling emotions or life or, you know, but control and power is typically, I, don't, I mean, and maybe you, I mean, you've probably worked or I know you've worked with more people than I have directly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really can't think of another. And then, you know, as anything else goes, like it develops, it gets as if, as it gets worse, right. And it gets into that clinical thing and then it's a whole other, and then it becomes a way of life. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we've worked with so many and Mary Ellen knows this and Melanie, you probably do too. I mean, we've had some that they're literally dying in the state. You know, we've had to call and have the state mm-hmm. order them to a hospital, right. To be mm-hmm. taken care of, but their whole life has become treatment centers and hospitals and, and, and for whatever reason they like it. Right. Because that's the life they understand mm-hmm. and know and people see them and care for them. And, but it's all about, it's just all that, right. To be seen, to be cared for, to have control. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody mm-hmm. else can offer some nuanced, brilliant thing in there, but I, that's, that's what I've seen over the years. And, you know, so I'm, I'm sticking with Mary Ellen on this one. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. If there are people that are listening, I never, I never want to end a podcast with that kind of speaking to this. Um, and I, I guess I would ask if y'all would speak to maybe two different people groups here. Um, there might be people who have listened today and they're like, oh yeah, I've got some of this, I've got some of this going on. Um, and I might need to take a look at this, dive a little deeper. You know, what would you, what would be your encouragement? Any practical things you've hit on a few things, but just anything else that you would say as just kind of an encouragement to people who find themselves struggling with this right now, uh, what would you advise? Um, and, and also specifically like what, at what point do you feel like maybe someone would need to reach out uh, for some professional help in that area? Yeah. I would say if someone is listening to this and can just feels convicted in their heart of like, man, this is me. And I feel like I need some help is just, is to reach out, um, really to reach out to, if it at first has to be, you know, a trusted friend or someone um, who can maybe help them keep themselves accountable, or if they feel like they need more help, someone that would help them find the right place or counselor or therapist, whatever it is for them. But the first thing is, is just to open your mouth and to tell someone, um, because with eating disorders, a lot of times I find the enemy wants to keep um, their mouth shut because it's something that really wants to hide in the dark um, and does not want to be exposed. And so just the fact of telling a friend, if it's just a friend at first, um, 
And then I think that can help guide you in the right direction mm-hmm. um, of where you're supposed mm-hmm. to go. Brooke, anything you'd add? No, I mean, she's right. I think, I think that's, that's the place to start. You have to actually communicate, Hey, I don't, I think maybe this isn't good, you know, and, mm-hmm. and allow people to, to step in and be supportive. And I think that's one of the number one ways that we lose a lot of support in life is, is when we think we have to do it by ourselves and we isolate. And so anytime mm-hmm. you can fight isolation and dealing with anything by yourself, that is always the right move. <laughs> always. Um, so I think that's the number one step and then, and then make a plan and go from there and, um, and just know that every, every step forward is great. Every one of them is good. You know, Mm -hmm. anything in the right direction Mm -hmm. is, is great. Uh, and be encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I just am mindful of what we would say to almost any struggle that someone might find themselves in the middle of, of really just being able to invite the Lord into that place and saying, man, you know, I just know that for, even for me, like if I find myself dealing with something that I'm like, well, where's this coming from? Like, what's, what's going on here? You know, as soon as I invite the Lord into that place and I get really honest with him and listen to him, he's pretty faithful to be like, yeah, I'm going to show you what's at the root of this. Like, I'm going to show you what's underneath this. And really the revelation of what that might be, could lead you to what your next steps would be like, you know, and I mean, I'm not, this is not like a keys to freedom commercial, but like, it's a resource that could be utilized in this way of, well, man, the Lord is kind of showing me some stuff from like, even way back when that like, I might need Mm -hmm. to look at, I might need to kind of process with him. Um, And so some of that might even be just, you know, getting our keys to freedom study and kind of diving into some of those things with the Lord. Um, He might show you some things that just in and of themselves, you go, oh yeah, I need to go talk to someone about this. <laughs> like, I need to call up somebody and really process some of this deeper stuff with them. And so just really inviting into the Lord into that space um, is a is an important piece as well. I'm just reminded, and I think this, I, I love what you're sharing about that mindset of nourishment. Um, and I just think about different areas of life. Food can absolutely be one of them. Um, but it can be so many different areas. I know that for me, like just even spiritually, there was a shift that happened when I, instead of just trying to be like, what do I need to get out of my life and say no to and get away from and run away from when my, when my mind started going more towards like, what is good? Like, what do I want that is good in my life? Um, and even, I will say, even with food, that was, that was a shift for me a few years back of being like, instead of saying stay away, stay away, stay away. Instead, I ask the question, like, what is going to nourish my body? Like, what is going to feel good in my body? That is a shift. That is an entire mindset shift. And so I, I love that you're bringing that in here at the end, because it's not about what do we need to say no to? It's about what can we say yes to that is just good for our souls, for our spirits, our minds, our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's just, that is, that is life. (laughs) I feel like being mindful of all the things that are bad, that's like there's bondage just all over that, right? But life to the full is about what is good and life-giving. And so what a great way, I think, to close out this this show. Um, before I do the closing, Brooke, did you have anything else? No, I think that was perfect. Okay. Well, Brooke, Mary Ellen, this has been um, just fun to do this show with you guys, Mary Ellen. So fun to have you on the show. And so I loved getting to just introduce our listeners to you. Um, We have amazing 
staff here, y'all. We have an amazing team here. So it's always really fun to bring on uh, new guests from time to time. So thanks so much for, for being here and being part of this today. Yay. Um, well, we hope that all of you listening have enjoyed this conversation um, today. And as always, we love just to ask if this content has been helpful for you. Um, we'd be so grateful if you would help us out just by rating our show, writing a review, wherever it is that you listen. We really do read them, y'all, and they are very encouraging. <laughs> They're very encouraging whenever we know that what um, we're putting out into the world is actually helpful for people and is equipping people. And so We'd be so thankful for you if you would do that. Um, And if you have any thoughts or questions about anything that we have discussed today, um, or if you would just like to share your ideas for future podcasts, we are all ears. We love to hear from you. Uh, So please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiplied.com. And to find out more about Mercy Multiplied, you can head over to mercymultiplied.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you so much for joining us today. 